Welcome to Simply Secure, a Logicalis Insights podcast. Each episode, we present and simplify a different security topic. If you're confused by the complexity and amount of security technologies available, then this is your podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Cisco. Now, please welcome your host, Ron Temsky, Vice President of Cybersecurity, Network, and Workplace Solutions for Logicalis. Thank you, everyone, for joining, and welcome to Simply Secure. On this episode, we're going to talk about Cybersecurity Awareness Month. It is October 2020 as we record this, which is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and thought it'd be a great uh, topic to take on that and just talk about awareness. And particularly, we want to cover kind of three key themes, employee culture, employee training, and overall cybersecurity awareness. So I'm thrilled to have a guest from within Logicalis, specifically Logicalis Group today, and I have Richard Starr out of London joining me. Richard is the Information Security Director for Logicalis Group, and he's responsible for the development and execution of our information and security strategy globally. Richard has over 20 years' experience working across a variety of roles, including as an engineer, architect, and leader of IT practices that specialize in the delivery of professional and managed services. And in recent years, he's focused on the ever-growing importance and relevance of data privacy and data security and its evolution within the digital world we live in. So really thrilled to have you join us today, Richard, and give us some insights into how Logicalis is addressing some of these and just some of your own personal thoughts. So Maybe we can kind of start our conversation. As I mentioned, we're hitting on culture, training, and awareness. So let's start with culture and maybe some of your thoughts on how do you develop and improve an employee culture around cybersecurity, which is certainly not um, kind of natural for many people who don't live in the cybersecurity world. Hi, Ron. Uh, firstly, thank you very much for inviting me uh, to talk with you today. And uh, yeah, I, I think uh, as, as we get underway here. Employee culture uh, for me is, is core uh, really in terms of uh, when, we, when we look at how we can improve uh, our employee training and awareness. And um, I, th- I think at its core, you know, we can break down employee culture into kind of a number of key areas. Uh, for example, attitudes and, and attitudes towards security. And, and for me, maybe a, a first thing to look at here is, is when we look at our, our own attitudes towards security. An approach I like to look at is how we get employees to think about their own data, for example, and, and protecting their own personal data. So I'm not talking uh, necessarily about how we share data on Facebook or Twitter. I think, I think this would be a proper topic for a, a discussion all of its own, but more um, our own maybe financial data and, and key data uh, that we use to protect our bank accounts. And, and in, in this area here, uh, if we can maybe look at our attitudes towards how we protect those credentials for that sort of data. This, this may cascade into and hopefully improve how employees look towards company data and maybe you know, they'd look to respect it in, in the same way. Yeah, and I'll, um, I may regret sharing this on the podcast, but I'll share a, a funny personal story that uh, really relates to this. So one of the aspects I, I've seen of culture across the board, not just at a general employee, but even at sometimes at the leadership level, is this idea that I'm not a target. I'm not big enough. I'm not meaningful. You know, I, I just, you know, I, I work in accounting. Nobody's coming after my data. Maybe a bad example because finance is certainly a target. But, but you get the idea, right, that 
I'm not a target. I'm not big enough either as an individual, as an organization. And, and so the funny story, without going into too much detail, outside of my day job, I play piano professionally, and I'm currently playing with an Elton John tribute band and experiencing a moderate amount of success, but let's not kid ourselves. We're a local band. We are certainly have no fame whatsoever. And yet we were the victim of a very coordinated, very targeted cybersecurity attack. So in the beginning of the pandemic, when no musicians were playing out live, we did a air quotes live performance from a studio. We were playing live, but it was just a studio. There were no, uh, there was no live audience and it was going to be simulcast over the internet. Well, a group of, of hackers that we eventually tracked down to Russia had targeted us, created fake sites that exactly mirrored our own set up paywalls behind it. Our concert was free, but they set up these, these very similar looking sites with a, with a paywall trying to steal your credit card. And then at the time of the actual start of the simulcast, launched a pretty impressive distributed denial of service attack against our live stream in an attempt to push people to the other bogus URL and steal their credit card. And, and my reason, reason for mentioning all that is... If you don't think you're a target and a little tiny band from Atlanta, Georgia with no fame or notoriety whatsoever was the target, anyone can be a, a target. So, well, the story is a bit embarrassing. I think it's important to look at because I, I truly think, no one is too small to be a target. I think, Ron, maybe you're more popular than the, you, you think you are. <laughs> I think you know, your, your global audience is, is out there. You're just maybe. Not, not fully aware. And it's a great example, though, isn't it, around uh, how actually I think all of us probably perceive that we're, we're not targets. And yet, uh, yeah, I think we are in our, our own lives and also uh, at work. Uh, I think, you know, depending on what role you may have in an organization, you, you could still be a critical component in terms of a, an attacker targeting you uh, for, for access to, to your corporate system. And I think, yeah, sorry. So, sorry, Richard, I was just going to joke and say maybe that should be our new tagline. Ron's Elton John tribute band, big enough to be the victim of Rus Russian hackers. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> So, so let's uh, let's move back to perhaps a little bit more relevant and audience apologize for the slight diversion there. But I, I really think it is a key point that none of us are too small to be the, the victim of even a targeted attack, um, which maybe leads into a, a great point, um, Richard, which maybe you can talk a little bit through some of the own, you know, analyst reports that you read and research that you look at kind of some of the findings as you look at, you know, who are the, who are the sources behind these attacks? What are some of the statistics and how that helps guide you in your own philosophies? Absolutely. I think it's, it's definitely a good um, starting point, especially as an organization and, and other organizations you know, looking to build uh, a kind of an improve on their employee culture and you know, create a, hopefully a, a positive culture within the organization as well. I think it's definitely fundamental we look at what what sorts of threats do we face um a good a good report to look at is the verizon data breach investigations report uh the 2020 report uh which which we we use as well in terms of you know comparing and, and, and looking to see what what uh, threats uh, are out there and some of the key findings i think are, are worth covering today uh, for example 70 percent of breaches uh, per perpetrated by external actors. And so whilst we, we obviously have a focus on internal threats and, and actors as well, the, the majority is still very much from external. 
And and those are still very largely uh, organized crime organizations as well. So 55% of breaches, uh, based on all of the breaches that, that Verizon looked at, uh, were uh, conducted by organized crime. And I think this is a key uh, consideration. Uh, yeah, these are highly professional organizations. Your example, Ron, uh, just a while ago, just demonstrates that there's a lot of planning that goes into this. Uh, in terms of attacks and and and, and how they target uh, organizations. And then I think the, the final, probably key finding as well, is that you know, these are highly motivated uh, based on uh, you know, financial objectives. And so 86% of these breaches are really uh, targeted based on, on financial gain. And I think those three key points uh, may not come as a surprise uh, to, to, to sort of, uh, some listeners, but uh, I think it's still sort of good that we, we look at those as, as key areas. In terms of major trends as well, I think uh, this, this will certainly blend into kind of the, the conversation we will have uh, throughout the, the call today, is, is that phishing and the use of stolen credentials are, are you know, becoming, and if not increasing, as top methods used by attackers. And uh, that, that's maybe moving away from more traditional hacking methods and, and just the availability and, and the ease at which these credentials can be gained uh, are giving uh, attackers an easier ride in terms of, of gaining access to systems. Uh, that, that could be linked with um, password dumping as well. So where a website security has been exposed and compromised and the contents of those websites have been dumped back out on the web. And, and so many of our uh, credentials that we, we thought to be secure are available, and, and so that's another another area. I think the last key one in terms of looking at the, the threats is misconfiguration. And so this was another area as well that I think maybe traditionally uh, before the increase and in use of, of, of cloud and cloud technologies, you know, organization infrastructures were traditionally secured using you know, firewalls and, and, and all of those uh, good, good infrastructure-based technologies. With the increase in cloud technologies, uh, for me, when I hear misconfiguration being a, a major trend uh, for, for attackers, is taking advantage of maybe systems that, that are new technologies that, that we're not familiar with and not then configuring to best practice or making sure they're secure. So misconfiguration is, I think, definitely one one to watch. Yeah, and two, uh, there's a couple of key points there that that really resonate, particularly with misconfiguration. It's actually, and, and your talk about cloud is, is so relevant. And we see this all the time, which is a lack of understanding between the, the roles and responsibilities of the consumer, the customer of the cloud, and the cloud service provider, whether it's, you know, AWS, Azure, or, you know, or uh, their, their competitors. And there's generally this thought process that by moving to the cloud, they own all the security and it, and it's not true and there's actually quite detailed documentations that all the major cloud providers publish that very clearly articulate the the delineation between cloud provider responsibility and customer but we find that a lot of organizations don't really look at that and then get surprised when they recognize or realize I should say that they suffered a breach and they were responsible for the security of that data not the cloud provider so so we definitely see that and then maybe we can key off the, the first comment you made, which is around um, phishing, which certainly has, you know, a social engineering attempt to it. And our, uh, our own band was certainly a, a band example was an example of that, right? Trying to get people to click on a link that looked very much like the band I play with, but in fact wasn't. So can you maybe 
dive down a little bit deeper on how social engineering, fraud, and, and similar topics are weighing into uh, some of the issues we're seeing today? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we've touched on the fact that uh, phishing is 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 increasing still in terms of an attack method. And uh, that um, could be sort of spear phishing, so more targeted phishing attacks in combination with um, with with social engineering as well. So more more direct dialogue, uh, telephone calls, and uh, this is, I think, an important aspect not just for information security, but as we touched on, uh, financial uh, reward is really a target of a lot of attackers. And whilst that uh, could be perceived as a kind of an information security risk in its own right, typically it's linked to other types of fraudulent activities uh, within an organization. So it could be the uh, engineering of, of, of an individual to change bank account details for the payment in relation to some goods or services. And it's those types of fraud activities that uh, have got links then back into uh, good security practices. And that awareness, I think, is important in terms of uh, you know, improving and driving overall employee uh, culture is, is then linked to kind of maybe training, education, to uh, make uh, all employees aware of, of uh, the threats that are out there. But also looking at um, our own, as I mentioned, other behaviours as well, and and the way that we act when we, we start dealing with with third parties and and requests for, as I mentioned, maybe the change in bank account details. So looking at, at how we can control that, it's not for me just about uh, the training and the awareness, but it's also looking at the broader business process as well, and making sure that we've got maybe the right checks and measures in place to ensure that uh, we, we're not falling foul of, of, of a social engineering exercise or attack. Uh, we, we can be reliant on good technologies, and I think fundamentally uh, you know, technology plays obviously a large part in making sure that we can protect our company, our organizations, and our people. But uh, yeah, the, the, I think this, the old adage of, of, of technology, people, and process really still bring together the the, 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 the triangle of, of, of the three areas that we need to kind of focus on. Yeah, thanks. You know, th- there's a couple things that have, that have stuck out to me in, the, in this area. One, that um, we've really seen an uptick with the global pandemic are social engineering attacks that are attempting to leverage people's fears, leverage their desire for more information. For example, uh, early on when there were shortages of bathroom tissue and cleaning supplies and other things. We saw a lot of social engineering attacks, you know, hey, we have Clorox wipes, click here, uh, you know, to buy it. And of course it, it didn't, it was, it was a phishing attack. So we saw a lot of, you know, very relevant tying again to pe- people's natural um, inquisitiveness about what, what does this whole pandemic mean? And also just their fears of, I, I can't get cleaning, how do I protect myself? Another one we're seeing, I'm curious if you're seeing this uh, over in the UK or not, but we see it in abundance in the US is, of course, we have to have a name that ends in ishing for everything. So this is vishing or the use of voice phishing. But I, I can't tell you how many calls I get or voicemails, which of course I ignore. Your social security number's been compromised. Um, there's a warrant outstanding for your arrest. And unless you call within 30 minutes, you know, something bad will happen to you. And one of the key tip-offs, of course, is there's always a tight 
timeline for you to respond to this horrible, horrible event, trying to make you behave irrationally and do something you wouldn't. And we've really seen a rise in that as well. And I'm curious, are, are you seeing that as well in the UK and throughout Europe and other Logicalis regions? Or is that a fairly unique US phenomenon that's happening? So for me, it's it's certainly uh, something that, that I get, and I'm, I know that others do in the UK. So in terms of uh, phishing calls, uh, broad-based phishing calls, absolutely. Uh, so this is where maybe the, the call starts off with actually a pre-recorded message, and and then that may relate to a or reference a, a maybe a car accident that's been recently had and and uh, insurance claims. Uh, and I, I think you know those those are definitely uh, yeah, very frequent in terms of of, of that method being used. Uh, in terms of the success, I think in terms of that type of broad-based attack then the attackers are obviously reliant on just a small percentage of people then you know, responding and, and reacting to them. I think the other aspect as well, more in the corporate environment, is, is the kind of the targeted uh, vishing where, where employees may be targeted alongside uh, phishing campaigns as well or, or spear phishing uh, to, to, for that employee then to maybe respond in a certain way or to share or, or, or react in a certain way. Uh, so yeah, I, I, without a doubt, I think it's, it's prevalent. I, I think it's a, it's a global issue uh, that we all need to to think about how we we, we address. And so maybe that's a great segue. Uh, again, obviously driven by the pandemic, you know, we're seeing more people working at at home or just remote in general. It doesn't even have to be home than we've ever seen at any point in, in any of our lives. And maybe some thoughts, uh, you know, kind of tying back into this Cybersecurity Awareness Month, that as an individual, rather than just a corporation, things you can do to be more secure as you are working in, well, by October now, probably fairly familiar uh, territory, but when it started, certainly unfamiliar for many people working outside of the office. Yeah, so I I think um, earlier on, I talked about uh, behaviors and attitudes, and one key component for me is is looking to see how we can uh, improve maybe the way that we protect our own data. And I, and I think that has two benefits. Uh, one is that ultimately we may then start thinking about company data in the same way, and we may start uh, protecting company data uh, more effectively. But equally, uh, there could be, in my view, and, and we've de- certainly seen this already, is uh, a risk to uh, our own data being compromised and that potentially providing a, a method or way into uh, a company environment. So the example I'm thinking of here is the use of password managers. They're prevalent now in, in, uh, in our own mobile devices, in, uh, in our laptop technology. And uh, it's not uh, unrealistic for, for corporate credentials now to be stored within uh, a personal password manager. These things happen either accidentally or intentionally. And if, for example, that device becomes compromised, it's outside of the company control in terms of making sure that it's maybe protected in the right way or even alerting us if it has become compromised. And so there are maybe unintentional aspects of, of corporate data that could become compromised if, if those company credentials are, are inadvertently stored in, in that password manager. So I think coming back to your, your question around tips, then, then that, that for me emphasizes the importance of actually looking at our own, uh, the, way, the, way we act, the way we act with our own devices, our own accounts, and, uh, and what sort of tips should we be doing there? Well, obviously, uh, we, we can maybe recommend those independently or individuals can go and Google them. But as part of a company culture, I think it's, it's part of our own responsibility as well to help improve our employees' own protection of data. 
So for me, examples could be uh, looking at setting up MFA on their own accounts, maybe Amazon, Google, Apple, Twitter, all of the, the key vendors out there, uh, LinkedIn as well, uh, have a method of, of securing those accounts using MFA. And so for me, it's fundamental that, the, that we, we look at enabling those uh, to, to, protect, to protect our accounts. Let's close out today talking about policy and process, because of course that keys into awareness as well as an employee awareness of the policies and process in my organization. And, and how do you make them effective and actual, actually improve the security of the organization as opposed to, you know, the proverbial written document that sits in a file cabinet somewhere, but isn't actually utilized or even has awareness within the employee base? So, yeah, I think it's fundamental. Uh, obviously, all organizations need policy and process. And, uh, again, developing good culture, it's, it's, it's important that we have have sort of policies that, in my view, are, are not overcomplicated, simple, uh, they're concise, and they're effective, and, and setting out clear expectations as well. Uh, I, th- I think without uh, kind of taking those aspects into consideration, we, we end up with policies that maybe aren't relevant, uh, extensively long, and then employees really may look at them once, but uh, if they can't relate to them as well, then they're not going to look at them uh, again, or they're going to forget they're there. So, it's it's I think by making them short and concise, but also making them relevant, and and as much as possible, obviously they need to be entwined with with actual real process as well. So uh, how we do our jobs day to day for them to to become effective. Perfect. Well, Richard, thank you so much for joining us today, and for our audience, I hope you got some valuable tips around. Cybersecurity Awareness Month, it seemed just appropriate to do an episode focused on that. As we move forward with the series, I think we've covered a number of kind of the basic topics reasonably well. And so where I'd like to take the podcast next is to start doing some deeper dives into what are typically more complex security topics, but obviously keeping with the theme of this show, making them simple. So things like certificates, what do they mean? How does asymmetric cryptography work and how does that tie into security on the internet? So if you have topics you'd like us to cover and make simple for you, please make sure you write into the show or send us comments at simplysecure at us.logicalis.com. And we'd love to take your feedback into consideration on where we continue to take this podcast and the topics that we cover. So on behalf of Richard Starr and Logicalis, I am Ron Tempsky, and thank you for listening to Simply Secure. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Simply Secure, a Logicalis Insights podcast. For more information about the solutions we have discussed or to become a guest on an upcoming podcast, please contact us at simplysecure at us.logicalis.com.